0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Josh from the JJN Show, and I did the interview this week with Ben Enke. Ben is a full time freelance film and commercial cinematographer, which means essentially that he is in charge of the camera department on the production sets. So, in this episode, we dive more into his position and we get to learn kind of, you know, essentially what it's like being a cinematographer. We Talked, you know, of course, about movies just in general. And then, as always, we finish off just kind of chatting about Ben and the awesome random questions that we can't ever skip. So I met Ben a few years back when I was taking production-focused classes in college. And he came in to present one of the classes and just, you know, talked about what it was like working full time in the field of production after college. And I was really interested in the information that he gave. And he was very open about how important it was to make connections with, you know, everyone, but especially within this, the small community that we have in the city that we live in. And so he gave his information to the students and just said, Hey, you know, just hit me up if you guys have any questions, if you're interested in." any work that we could possibly have, you know, that sort of thing in the future. And so I sent him an email and there was a bit of back and forth the first year or so, I think it was, um, just with me not being able to get on set um, because I uh, didn't have availability um, from working full time and different things like that. Um, but finally we uh, aligned and I was able to hop on just a, a really small project with him and one other director and since then um i've gotten other work from that director and made new connections um and gotten new jobs from that so let's dive into the episode and enjoy the content what's
1: What's up up? this
0: This is is the jjn 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 Show show with josh with jacob with nick first
2: off uh welcome ben enke to the jjn show Thank you so much for being willing to be interviewed on this. Of course, thanks for having me. You are probably one of the first, more, I would say, diverse uh, people to come on because most of the people that we've had on so far are runners or you know someone in that nutritionist that someone in, people in yeah. that. Our previous guest was the the um, what's it called student body president at University of Minnesota Duluth, oh, and cool. now. You, Ben Enke, are on. Kind of, you know, it's good to to diversify the people, and and we'll be talking about something that uh, we haven't talked about very much on this show. So why don't we why don't we start the this off by you just telling everybody who's listening kind of who you are, and feel free to give as much description as little description. You know, you could tell your life story if you want, anything like that, and then I'll branch off. I've got. Plenty of questions that I can either branch off of or um, carry the conversation in a different direction from there. But I'll let you take the floor
1: for this. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, I'm a, well, a full time uh, freelance film and commercial cinematographer. And um, basically, what that means is I, I run the camera department for movies and commercials and, and other videos too. And so it's not just for me to do those two types of things, but those are the two types of things I do the most for sure. And, uh, um, started doing this, uh, several years ago now, <laughs> uh, too long ago to think about. Uh, but I started doing this a while ago and then about four or five years ago, is when I said I wanted to do it full time. So this is just all I do, um, is, uh, is go on set and make images, uh, which I feel pretty, pretty lucky to, uh, a lot of people, I think have a hobby. That they love doing and a lot of people I think wish their hobby could be a career uh, and make the money and I'm really 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 consider myself grateful that I was able to kind of do both Uh it's something that I love doing every day and get to support my family and support my the people around me and support myself with it which is pretty cool. Sweet
2: so you said you're Commercial film cinematographer, um, can you explain exactly what a cinematographer is for people that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that word, you know, everybody that watches movies sees, you know, cinematography by this person or, you know, that sort of thing. What exactly does a cinematographer do for people that don't understand that?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people sometimes I think can get directing and cinematography confused. I think that's the biggest source of confusion between what those two jobs how they're different and I was I was really confused about that when I first started out too I wasn't really sure what the distinction was between the two but um so cinematographers work with directors to make the visuals come to life and so a director is going to have an idea as far as how they want the story to go and how they want things to look sort of and then cinematographers kind of take the technical aspects of that and the creative aspects of that and work it down a line to a group of people and a different uh, set of people and so they're kind of like a middle manager in a way and that they take what the director's thinking and they translate that into something that's actually tangible and something that's actually a result um so cinematographers are really in charge of of creating that image and making sure that director is getting what they want okay
2: and so as a cinematographer do you do a lot of work hands-on work with more equipment or more like cameras lights um you know things on the set like that do you work with the talent or who uh, you said you'd like you work with the director but who else are who are the people that you work with and what what like hands-on kind of stuff do you do if any
1: i mean yeah. i'm sure it kind of depends yeah that's a great question actually i think um you know a lot of cinematographers will you know especially early out in their careers will be the ones kind of doing a lot of things like they're handling the camera and they're moving their own lights and they're doing all that kind of stuff and And, uh, you know, as you get further along in your career, I think you do a little bit less of that. And it's a lot more about communicating with different people. You know, you're communicating with the director. You're communicating with uh, your gaffer who's setting up lights and working lights with you. You're communicating with your first assistant cameraman who's kind of working with the camera and and setting up the camera the way you want it to be set. And um, you're working with dolly grips who are moving camera dollies to get the camera moving. And you're working with all these different people and sometimes you operate yourself and and I still like to operate the camera myself when I can. Um, But you find on, especially on different budget levels, you find that those jobs kind of tend to be uh, dispersed differently depending on uh, how much money the production has to pay people that are, (laughs) to bring people on. So, um, you know, the more money the production has, the more they can afford to have different people doing different jobs and you know i've worked on productions that have all sorts of different budget levels and some of them like i mean i've done some just recently that are little to no little to no budget at all and so you have kind of three people kind of doing everything uh which is cool too like i like that too and it feels involved and, and you you feel like you're you're uh you're chipping in in a lot of different ways so um yeah it's always different and you work with actors too which is cool and i like the relationship that i have working with actors it's it's a lot more loose and a lot more uh, uh, fun than it is. I don't know. I, 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 As a director, I don't know. I feel like it's a different relationship that you have with actors. And I think as a cinematographer, it's you know, it's a bit more hands-off and, and a bit more of a loose creative relationship that's a little more playful, I think. Um, sure. But that's because so, I'm, not, I'm not a director, so I wouldn't know.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: <Sure>.
2: <laughs> so what do you think... Uh attracted you to you know deep uh, cinematography work and that sort of thing and what what's your favorite thing about that particular line of work when it comes to making films and commercial work and videos and everything along those lines
1: uh star wars was kind of like the thing you know like mm-hmm. i saw star wars as a kid and thought man that is that is some cool stuff in that world but like, It just, you forget about everything else around you for a couple hours and you watch this like really awesome sci-fi epic with bad guys and good guys shooting at each other and lightsabers and stuff. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. And uh, I mean, I was, what, five at the time, I think, when I saw Star Wars for the first time. And, uh, And I remember just being obsessed with it as a kid. And I would watch all the behind the scenes and I was like, man, people can this is what people do for a living. Like they just like make cool movies. Like how cool is that? And, uh, you know, I didn't think it was really a feasible opportunity for myself until I was in college. And then I kind of discovered that, you know, you can, you can actually do that. (laughs) Like It's not that far off off of a dream, you know? And, uh, and people respond to that kind of stuff, you know? And, and, that to me, it was really cool. It was just the response that people get when they watch your stuff. And it's the same response that I had watching star Wars. It's, you know, you're evoking different emotions in people with your work and the way that you do things. And, and, uh, that to me, it was just really cool. And I think that's what draws me. That's what continues to draw me at least to cinematography particularly is that, um, you are kind of the first person to experience something. And so you kind of have an idea of how an audience is going to feel when they're watching something. And that's really cool. And you have an influence on that and you can create emotions in people. And that's, that's really something. It's like magic, you know, I love magic too. Like magic is something that's (laughs) magic to me. Magic and filmmaking are synonymous to me. It's like the illusion of creating something that doesn't exist, but you're making it real feel real, you know? And that's me like magic. I'm obsessed with magic and I love magic. And I think it's amazing. And I think magicians do is, is incredible. And it's the same thing that, you know, we do as filmmakers. It's, you're trying to make someone believe something that is completely made up and yeah it's a great yeah no so I love magic too I don't know that's a bit of a side tangent but it's it's related you know it's cool yeah
2: no that's a that's a great example I've never actually thought of it when when people ask me like why I like to you know make videos or any of that sort of thing my answer is always in one way or another falls back to just that I like to create things that make people feel things that yeah you know that create emotion that 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 I, yeah distracts people or makes people happy or maybe makes people sad or you know any of that sort of thing is the reason that i thought think that you know filmmaking and in whatever degree can is amazing but since you since you brought the the side tangent of magic out um yeah and i guess it wasn't it wasn't technically magic per se but did you watch the David Blaine, um, the balloon? I don't remember what he called it. Uh, Ascension, I think is what he called it. No. Where he like held the balloons, I think it was a week or two ago, and flew up, you know, however many, 4,000 feet, just with one hand holding these balloons. Because he wanted the, the image of this guy was just holding balloons with one arm, and he floated up, and he had this giant, I, it was YouTube that produced it, but this giant crew of, uh, you know, stump people and people like the best skydiver in the world and everything. Cause he had to, he put the skydiving vest with the parachute in the balloons. So he was only holding them without like a, I think he had something to help the strength because it would be yeah. very difficult to hold it for an hour or whatever it yeah. was. But he then had to reach up, pull the parachute down, put it on while he was, you know, holding on these balloons and then at like, I don't remember the feet, 4,000 feet or whatever, some crazy height, yeah. he let go of the balloons and just you know, skydived all the way down. But what? that's what your magic example, uh, you should look it up, you should check it out. It was, it was
1: yeah. crazy, just
2: yeah. I, one of the crazy stunts that David Blaine does, but.
1: Wild, I'm gonna
2: after this call. <laughs> check it out, that sounds crazy. <laughs> but yeah, that was the mix of you know filmmaking, Per se on YouTube, these this giant crew making yeah. this thing happen, and it was real. I mean, I assume it was real. It was a stunt. It wasn't like a magic yeah. show, of him yeah. flying up there and doing this crazy thing. And and he said that one of the like the idea kind of grew from his daughter, for you know a child, this little kid thinking of this crazy idea, and it's like, hmm. and I think he said that a lot of his really crazy ideas come from his daughter so you know maybe it it uh blends that line of when people grow up quote unquote and start to lose that goofy imagination i'm sure he hasn't lost all of it because he's david blaine but you know he has this his kid that is like well why don't you just fly up in balloons like an astronaut and it's like well i can actually do that because i'm david blaine but <laughs> anyway.
1: that's that's interesting you know i think uh... It's interesting that his experiences and his, his new, his tricks can come from experiences of his, from his life. You know, it's like, where do you get your ideas from as a creative? It's you get your ideas from life experiences. You know, you get your ideas from people around you and things you experience around you. And, and, and that's what informs kind of uh, your artistic sensibilities in a way. And so it's interesting to hear that from a magician as well. Because you usually don't hear like personal anecdotes from magicians about, oh, I got my tricks from, you know, they usually get them from, you know. Yeah, I don't know. You never know. Usually a mag- magician doesn't reveal their secrets, right? Um, but that's interesting to hear personal anecdotes from someone like that to, to where he gets his inspiration from. That's kind of cool. And
2: that can kind of show like, I feel like that story is just that saying of, Everybody, it's just like doing it. That's the hardest thing is is to do what you're thinking of, because you know how many people think of some crazy thing like this, yeah. or like the floating in balloons, or you know making a movie, or making Star Wars, or something like that, and yeah. just decided, well, I'm gonna do it. And you know, I mean, that's kind of like take that with a grain of salt because he's so established and he can yeah. get used by YouTube for you know however many. I assume it was very expensive to shoot that thing but still like it There was at one point where he just decided well I want to do this so I'm going to do it so that's like I guess with any field but with making videos um let's kind of stop step back to how you got into your line of work then since we're going off of just doing these things um so you said that Star Wars was your first inspiration the first thing that really made you Get attracted to making movies and, and creating these things that yeah. make people feel emotion. So yeah. and then you said uh it wasn't until college that you figured out or decided or realized that you could go into this type of work. What uh what was it was there like a specific point you remember or like a, a you know a sequence of events or what exactly what point of your life in college and what was it that made you decide to to go from well i maybe i could do this to i'm going to do this and then doing it
1: yeah so in high school it actually was the probably maybe i could do this phase so in high school i made this goofy world war ii movie with uh some of my friends uh for a a, a, for an ap uh euro history class and the idea was that everyone was going to make like a video project and we were divided up into groups of like four or five or something like that and everyone was gonna do a specific era or a specific point in time or a specific uh, significant moment in, in European history. And we did World War I. And that was kind of our era or our, our time in history that we wanted to portray in the video. And it was like a 20 minute video or something, but I, we, we, <laughs> we literally dug trenches <laughs> in some property that wasn't ours and we didn't have permission. Oh, but no, we it, but we did it, you know, it was some it was some park or something. I don't know. I don't know. Now that I think about it, I don't know how we got away with that, but, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we dug a trench and it was, it was enough where you could stand and it would come up to your waist. And so it was pretty deep, you know, three feet deep and it was long and I don't know. It must've taken us a lot longer than I remember it taking us. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> expansive. And uh, and you know we got all our outfits from a surplus store, you know like a military surplus store is where we got all our uniforms and stuff. And and you know we had prop guns from like um like a like one of those like Axman type shops that's like they sell just random crap. Yeah. And um you know we had all sorts of crazy stuff and we had just like a cheap little handy cam. and that was so fun and I had such a blast doing it and everyone loved it partially because it was just so campy and so perfectly like high school campy and but everyone loved it and it was a blast and it was like wow you can just have a camera and make movies with friends and it's fun and um and so in college I I kind of went back to that idea of, of of making stuff with people that you like making stuff with but it was on a more serious level, so it was stuff that was actually having an impact on people. So it was for nonprofits, and it was for student groups that I was a part of at school, like Colleges Against Cancer and Habitat for Humanity, and stuff that actually like makes an impact and gets people to to contribute or volunteer or donate or anything like that, and for a cause. And uh, and I guess that's probably when I decided that it was you know it was probably worth my time to invest in something that I think I'm good at. And at the time, that's like pretty much all I was good at. And that's really still all I'm really good at. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, trying to diversify my talent pool a little bit now that I'm in my 30s, but maybe it's a little too late for that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and after that, you know, graduating with, graduating with a degree in, in communications and, and media studies was, um, you know, they had the right track of programs there to, to kind of get me started. And then the rest was kind of built on my own, and just kind of, you know, very being very lucky that we live in an age of information now, where a lot of things are accessible online, and you can learn a lot of things online, and and you can see other people doing things, and you can try them for yourself and see if they work. Or not and and uh, and yeah, so that was kind of the path in college that I took, and and for better or worse, it worked out. So there
0: you go. And what
2: yeah. what uh, what was the point where you decided? either that you could go full-time or that you were just going to go full-time whether you were ready or not what made you make that decision or have you yeah, always kind of been kind of full-time but never really how has that changed
1: yeah yeah so I did full-time video pr- video production for a few years out of college with some freelance as a cinematographer so video production I was kind of doing everything I was like producing my own work and Finding clients and, and editing and doing all sorts of stuff and and just really anything that I needed to do for a project, I got it done. And I decided I wanted to be a full-time cinematographer. I think it was 2014 or 15, maybe. Um, I think 2015 and uh, maybe 16. I don't know. The time is, you know. It yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But four or five years ago, and and it was. I can remember the moment. It was when a director was very. Uh, well-known and esteemed here in Minneapolis uh asked me to be a part of his film and at the time I hadn't been asked by anyone in the community to you know that was of that kind of caliber and had that kind of respect and had that kind of esteem and he saw something in my work that he wanted to bring on bring me on for for his project and and to myself I took that really seriously as like a you know, if someone of that caliber and some of that level is see something in you, then maybe that's what you should be pursuing full time. And so I pretty much almost immediately quit doing everything else and just did that and uh, full time and financially, it was kind of tough <laughs> because you know you quit doing stuff that makes you a lot of money full time into something that you know is is gonna slowly uh kind of it's almost like restarting in a bit you know it's like you're starting at the same career but at a somewhat of a different level and so you kind of have to build back up to where you were in a way and so it was a little tough in the first year or so um uh, but yeah it's been you know since i would say since like 2017-18 it's been it's been really really great awesome that's super cool
2: so do you dabble in other types of video work still now or Never, um is it only cinematography? Do you ever do directing or editing or uh, any other type of work besides cinematography?
1: uh No, it's pretty much just cinematography. I did my first directing job in December last year. Uh, I directed a commercial for Fox Sports North. It was for uh, Surly in partnership for the Minnesota Wild, and I love hockey, and, and so it was just a perfect job for me to direct. And so that was my
0: first directing
1: job is was you know a lot of people don't say that their first job directing is a commercial that's going to go on for wild games and so that was pretty that was pretty nerve-wracking but um that was cool and so you know i don't i don't know if i'd ever do it full time i don't think i'd consider myself a director full time but you know if the right project comes along and it's something i'm interested in i'd probably take it um but yeah just cinematography is it's kind of where i'm sticking right now sure okay oh cool so
2: We've talked a lot of uh, good things about the work that you went into and, you know, how you got into it and and all that sort of uh, information. But I'm kind of curious, um, is there anything that you dislike about the line of work that you're in, cinematography work? Is there anything that you dislike, you know, would care
1: to share? There's not a lot, you know. Especially now, you know, it's funny that we had this huge break because of the virus and mm-hmm. we all had to take some time off. And, and, and for me, it was, you know, a couple of months that we had to take off from work and you're not doing anything. So you're just sitting around. And over time, I was having conversations with friends in the industry during that time and and just remarking about how much we miss even the things that we didn't like about the job which is some of the more uh, managerial stuff, some of the more logistic stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I just, I miss putting together a gear list and a budget. <laughs> and and you know, that's, that's, you know, you really love your jobs and you miss the micromanaging kind of stuff like that. You know, it's like, I miss having those conversations about like, do we have enough money for this or this, you know? And it's like, man, I miss even that and that's bad. Um, <laughs> so no, I think time off gives you perspective on it. And 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 so in a way I'm, I'm, I'm sort of grateful for having that time off to kind of reflect on things and and kind of self critique and and become more aware and have more respect and more gratitude for the job I do. Um, I think the only thing I maybe don't like is, uh, sometimes it's just, it's really long hours and it can be long hours back to back and it can be long hours that take away from, you know, your family and your friends and, and doing things on your own. And, and even just, like, time for yourself that you need to kind of recharge and refocus and, and relax and, and have that time for yourself. And I kind of thought that after the shutdown, people would have some more perspective on that. But it seems kind of that everything's kind of going back to the way it was. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as working on set for, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And, sure. uh, and uh, doing those kind of days back to back. And I think you're starting to see that again. And, um, and so, I don't know, that's the only thing I think I don't like is, is that the industry can be kind of grinding and, and it kind of has a grinding mentality that you kind of have to, you know, put in the work to, to get where you want to be. And, and I don't like that mentality anymore. And, and, uh, but I think the industry still has that kind of set way of of thinking. And, uh, I wish we had, (laughs) I wish we had the power to kind of make that change. I don't know how to do it though. So,
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, when I started getting into movies and realizing the intensity of making a movie. You know, you you sit down or you go see a movie in a theater and it's 90 minutes and, you know, then you're done. And then you don't, you know, a lot of people might not realize. But when I started, you know, learning about what goes into making that on top of just, you know, the money, the producing, how many people come together like in crew from start to end, everything that goes into it like that. And then, you know, you think about to make this thing within a month sometimes or within a couple of months, it's like sometimes people will be shooting for 20 hours and you just go. And it's crazy to think about the type of work and grind, like you said, that goes into making these things. Uh, I assume it's mostly because of money. At least that's what I have found from a lot of things and it's like you know you have 30 days to shoot this movie and we only have 50 million dollars well not only but you know and yeah. we need to make sure we get it done when we're paying this guy or this girl a million dollars per week or you know all yeah. that sort of stuff is one yeah. is goes into it because they, you don't want to go over budget say under the budget yada yada, that all that jazz that goes into filmmaking at whatever level really but yeah that has a lot and, to do with it for sure. yeah so uh when uh, the the way that i met you was in my uh it wasn't my final production class but it was the i don't even remember i think it was the second to last one whatever that one would have been but um in school and you came and presented to the class just about being well, being a cinematographer, but you know, being in that type of work and getting into that type of work and everything that goes into it, and kind of just being somebody like a somebody that we can relate to, I guess, more than watching an interview of Quentin Tarantino or somebody on YouTube, because it's kind of hard for a college student to relate to somebody like that. Mm. Um. So uh, that being said, what kind of advice do you have for somebody who wants to go in I'm sure you question a lot into your type of work not necessarily cinematography maybe just in general the type of work of filmmaking or just making videos to get paid on that sort of thing and then you can kind of go more specified into the cinematography field that you have experience in as well
1: yeah well you know the great thing about Living have been in an age that we do now and like an age of technology and information is that a lot of stuff is really accessible and uh, it's, it's never been easier to get into uh, film, the film industry than it is now and to get into video production and to get into uh, doing this kind of work uh, because stuff is relatively inexpensive at a beginning level, like the cameras and the gear is relatively inexpensive and um, you know, you don't need a ten, twenty $20,000 camera anymore to, to get good looking images. You can get really good, clean images with something that costs under $2,000, you know, and, and, and the lights and everything else that you need, the audio stuff, like it can be had for, for relatively inexpensive and you can get started for not a lot of money. And so that's a good thing. And I think that helps a lot of people Um, that also makes the market more competitive um, and that makes the market more uh, saturated um, and that there is a lot of people and there is a lot of people who have access to those things now. And so I think what you got to do at that point is you have to be one step ahead of them in the only way you can be, which is is through your knowledge and your skill set. And, like, you see the people who are putting in the work, like, the people that I'm most attracted to and the people whose work I find most interesting is the people that I see who are constantly grinding, and they're constantly finding and exploring and looking at different things, and they're trying different things, and they're just putting their work out there. And they're not afraid of what people are going to think. They're just putting their work out there, um, and it's uniquely theirs. And I, those are the people that I think the most interesting are the people who are constantly exploring and discovering new things about their work because they're just constantly doing it. They're always thinking about it. They're always thinking about, you know, I'll sit here sometimes in the middle of the day and I'll reflect on how the light comes in the room, you know, at different times of the day. And if it's warm or cool and how it bounces off different surfaces and you, and the people that I think that are thinking about stuff like that the most are, are, people that I think create some of the most interesting work because they're out there and they're not only experiencing different things, but they're thinking about how those things will translate to images. And I think that's the biggest thing for someone who wants to get into this is that you have to, your voice is something that's unique to you. And I think the sooner that you start putting that stuff into images and the sooner you start putting what's unique to you, and getting the technical skills that you need to kind of translate that stuff um i think those are the people that rise really 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 quickly um like you see some people where it takes them a long time to get to that point and you see some people where it takes them you know a fraction of that time and it's just a much it's just a matter of how much you're willing to put in the work when no one's watching you you know like mm-hmm. putting in the work to learn things putting in the work to to watch other people doing things getting on set and getting experience with other people um you know the people that are hungriest you know i think those are the people that go further quicker for sure
2: nice yeah that's uh that's just a fun uh uh thing to think about because it's really can be directed toward anybody Mm -hmm. for whatever whatever they want to go into and if you Mm -hmm. think you know if you want to be an accountant yeah you could just think about it that you know any yep. anything that you're interested in going into just be hungry and putting in work um so the uh, couple of questions i need to ask because i feel like it's just a necessity
1: yeah uh sure. what is your favorite movie and why uh okay I, I, I can't say star wars cuz that's like the default answer so i'm not going to say star wars <laughs> even though star wars is my favorite and it's all of them like i love all of them equally it's like my children you know I love all of them equally I don't have kids but if I did uh, I would love all of them equally just like I love all my Star Wars equally <laughs> um, and so I, I got I have favorites but I will tell anyone that um, <laughs> favorite movie aside from Star Wars oh, man um, gosh there's a lot of good ones you know one that had a really profound experience on me uh, there's two of them recently in recent memory that are really profound experience on I me. Mean, one was Interstellar. Um, Interstellar for me is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Um, traveling through space and time and all that. And the reason I like it the most is it's got the things that you like about Christopher Nolan in terms of like it's a bit of a puzzle box and you kind of have to figure it out as you go along. But the way that he, he uses time as a storytelling element and uses time emo- as an emotional element and time is something that's like fragile and time is something that we take for granted, especially our time here on Earth is something we take for granted, I think. Um, and the way that he uses that to kind of reinforce the emotional aspects of the story is just really got me like it really got me emotionally. Um, that's a film. Arrival is another great film. That was, again, another really personal like, experience for me. And I like left that theater. It was the only time I've left a theater and I was disappointed that i'd never get to experience that movie for the first time again wow and it it was just so profound i don't know like i said you know the movies that are my favorite always have the most emotional response you know yeah and that's kind of the thing that you know i strive for in my work and so it's you know those two movies at least in recent memory those two movies stick out for me as movies that really impacted me
2: sure oh that's awesome that's uh, that's funny that you say Arrival uh, was the I've never seen Arrival. Still haven't mm. seen it. And it's like mm. I think I think about it like or hear about it or see something about it like once a week at minimum <laughs> and I know Design. I need to see it so bad. So I it's you know maybe sometime soon I'll rent it or something and just turn all the lights off in the basement and turn the sound up as much as I can but
1: uh, yeah, I remember I'll, when my I'll, I will buy the DVD and ship it to you from Amazon. (laughs) I'm telling you, you got to see it. (laughs) I remember one of my best friends um,
2: saw it in the theater. And that's another thing that I'm sad about is that I'll never get to see. uh, I I kick myself for not going and seeing Dunkirk in the theaters. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm not going to miss the chance. I really want to make sure I can see Tenet in the theaters. Like in IMAX especially, because I read something that if you're going to see it, you've got to see it in IMAX. But anyways, um, and I kicked myself for missing the chance of that on Dunkirk. Um, But I remember when Arrival came out, one of my best friends went and saw it. And he just, uh, I think he texted me right after. And he's like, you have to see this movie. You have to go see this movie. Um, But the other thing that's funny is um, the interest, the that you bring up interstellar because <clears throat> I have an interstellar day. It's not a specific day, but once a year, there's always one day every year that I just crave that movie for some reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah.
2: since that movie has come out, I watch it every year, at least one time, because <laughs> it's just, it, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I saw it at the little movie theater at the U of M when I was in oh, college. Yeah. And I went with some friends and I went and saw it. And I walked out of it and I'd never experienced something like that. And one of the things that um, draws me to movies, in addition to the emotional response that they can bring from me are like, when they're out of the ordinary, when they're Mm -hmm. weird, you know, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And not that Interstellar is weird, but it's, it's unlike any, the story and the way that it's told and shown is unlike anything that I've ever seen. And like the score and the music and everything that goes into that movie. It's just like, it blew my mind when I walked out of that little college theater and I was walking back across campus, you know, at like midnight, just (laughs) in the dark. And I was like, I can't believe what I just saw. Um, But isn't that a a great feeling when a movie like sticks with you for a long time? Like I love that. I love it. Yeah. And it's still to this day and it probably for the rest of my life, I'll never forget. And I think the, that feeling that you said when you felt coming out of Arrival and being disappointed that you'll never get to feel that way again. I think that's why I watch Interstellar every year because I crave and I'm just hoping that I'll feel what I felt the first time I saw it, which will never happen. But, you know, there'll be another movie. Maybe Arrival will do that to me. And, you know, I'll I'll fill that meter for a little bit of time again. But (laughs) that's such a a great feeling when you watch something.
1: Yeah, so... you mentioned you mentioned Dunkirk too, and Dunkirk was was another film that like I've seen it once in theaters and I saw it at the IMAX before our big actual IMAX closed at the mm-hmm. zoo. And um and then I've seen it once on home, um, just like my TV at home. And the experience is, is completely not the same.
0: <laughs> and oh, great. Like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to
1: make you feel bad about it. <laughs> Actually, yes, I am trying to make you feel bad about it. <laughs> um the experience is completely not the same like it's it's a a completely different movie in the theater and the way that it makes like the sound and the immersion of it completely is so different and um yeah unless you have unless you happen to have like a 60 inch 70 inch Mm -hmm. tv with immersive sound or something i don't know but (laughs) you know it's it's completely different and uh yeah, that movie, that movie, I left that movie and I was like looking at my hands and they were like shaking.
2: <laughs>
1: and I was like, I've never left a movie where my hands are like, I'm like rattled, physically rattled by it. Ah. And, uh, and I, I saw it with my wife and she was like, I don't feel very good after this. Like, <laughs> it's, like I feel like, si- like nauseous, like, sure. like, like, I feel like sick having like watched that. Like, I feel like I was, you really do feel like you were there, Yeah. which is really crazy. Like, it's really crazy.
2: So maybe I need to get a good pair of headphones, like surround sound, immersive headphones, like a virtual reality type headphones yeah, and right. just yeah. blast it. But yeah. um, something that uh, my middle brother Jacob has asked me before um, is, uh, and I don't know, you know, people come to me with these types of questions and it's, I'm like, I don't really have an answer. It's all opinion And it's, you know, just it's funny that I get these types of questions, but he asked me, um, you know, he was like, hey, I really want to start watching more movies. What are some movies that you recommend everyone should see? And, you know, it differs by person. And my opinion is different than other people's opinion because of my experiences with movies and experiences in life that lead you to gravitate toward these movies and the reason they have these uh, impacts on you. But what what are some movies that you think? That everyone should see.
1: Um, I think everyone should see Jurassic Park. The the original. <laughs> the original Jurassic Park is one. That's one that whenever it's on TV, I'll watch it because it it never ceases to fill me with like a childlike amazement. And I think it's I think it's important for us to feel like kids sometimes, and that movie just never fails to make me feel like a kid um that and back to the future is very similar back to the future does the same thing for me too um Jurassic Park for me is an essential watch if you have never seen Jurassic I don't know what you're doing with your life if you've never seen Jurassic Park (laughs)
0: um
1: um oh man that's a good question essential movie watch and what are some of yours Well, it's pure opinion. So, like, The Matrix is
2: on there. The the original Matrix is on there for me because that was one of the first um, movies that had an impact on me because I saw it when I was, like, 11 or 12. And -hmm. it was the first, like, rated R, real action, you know, type of movie that I saw. So The Matrix is on there. Um, I always say Goodwill Hunting because that's Mm -hmm. the movie that made me fall in love with movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I say, like, quentin tarantino movie like pulp fiction or something like that because i love goofy stuff a coen brothers movie maybe like fargo or i love burn after reading and a lot Mm. of people don't like that movie but those are those are some of my essential picks but you know half of those movies people might not like you know if they don't like violence they're not going to want to watch matrix or any type of quentin tarantino movie good will hunt might be too boring for some people if only one yeah. action but right. that's what i tell people
1: yeah and that's why jurassic park is such a great movie for everyone because it's got a little <laughs> bit of both it's got a little bit there of go. For some, something for everyone and if you like dinosaurs it's cool if for some reason you don't like dinosaurs then i guess don't watch <laughs> yeah <That's laughs> who doesn't good. like dinosaurs though come on <laughs> um man essential movie that's a tough. you know we're gonna get off this call and i'm gonna come up with like 10 movies and i'm gonna text them to you <laughs> okay that's fine can we record another section after this in like, <laughs> in like two hours and i'll come up with a list we'll, we'll see if i come we'll see if i come up with any uh, we'll see if i come up with any after while we're while we're talking here sure i'm not, well, not thinking about that let's move to uh
2: um kind of similar but do you have a favorite tv show just like uh
1: say that one again you kind of
2: have a favorite tv show
1: yeah, uh, Euphoria. Okay. It's a, very re- it's a very recent one. They actually just won a few Emmys last night Okay. Uh, for their first season. So Zendaya is the lead, and she won Best Actress, which is crazy. And she well-deserved. Um, Euphoria is great. It's a TV show about uh, – it's, t- it's a teen – I don't want to say teen drama because that doesn't portray it right. And I think people get the wrong idea when you say it's a teen drama. But it's a drama about um, these kids in and, and high school and – a lot of them are, are they have a hard time feeling things if there's not some sort of stimulant like you know if there's not drugs or sex or attention or social media mm-hmm. and it's a real it's a real visceral look at what i think a lot of kids deal with these days and um and it, it's it's really it's really t- difficult to watch in in a lot of scenes oh, and a lot okay. of the episodes are really tough to watch um, but it's one of the most the cinematography of it is so interesting in that it's this very depressing world, but they shoot it in the most extravagant, beautiful like way Mm. possible. And I think it highlights and it juxtaposes just how teenagers see the world around them. And I think it's just fascinating. It's my favorite cinematography of any show or film I've ever seen. Um, Wow. And it blew it blew me away. I went through and saved because I have a huge reference library of images from films and things that I like, and yeah. I have sa- I saved 500 images from that show. <laughs> wow! And uh, like I'm just every it's like every frame I could have saved if I really felt like it. But uh, it's just a gorgeous show, and it's just it's super emotionally impactful. And and Zendaya mean the whole the whole cast is great, but Zendaya leads the charge. She's really amazing. And it's wow. a different kind of portrayal that Zendaya hasn't really done before. Like, you've seen Zendaya in a lot of Disney cut-type stuff. And um, or she's just, she's killer in this and as an addict. And, um, yeah, it's just really, really powerful stuff. And it's really, really well shot. And so I think awesome. they just did season one, which was, I think, last year or two years ago, maybe. Um, eight episodes, I think. And uh, season two, I think, is coming up soon. So I'm really excited for that.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's been on my list of shows to watch since well since it came out. Yeah. I was I was really attracted to the teasers that came out, just the color, mm-hmm. the wild, yeah. extravagant color like you were talking about. Yeah. So yeah. that has been on my list of shows to watch. But and then similarly, is there a TV show that you recommend everyone should see?
1: Uh you know, I think everyone should try Lost. <laughs> okay lost lost isn't for everyone um but i think everyone should give it a shot because i think lost is one of the most fascinating puzzles that you will wrap your mind around it's like reading a long book um that is like gripping you from beginning to end um i think lost is fantastic um some people will debate as lost goes on whether the ending is you know The ending for Lost is, like, one of the most divisive endings I feel like in any TV show ever. Um, I feel like people are just constantly all over the place with how they feel about the ending of that show. Um, I loved it personally, um, but that's me. Um, I think I'm in the minority. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) uh, Lost is a great show. Um, You know, it's funny. I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, Okay. You know, I haven't watched a lot of TV. You know, I watch the series that I think people, like, rave about. So I watch, like, Game of Thrones, of course. Um, sure. Um, Dexter was a really good show back in the day. Um, but I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, Lost is probably the one I'd recommend for sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, I know some people would say, like... I know some of the popular ones are, like, True Detective and West Wayne. And, okay. and, um And those... <laughs> I've never watched him, so I can't recommend him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: that's cool. That's cool that you say Lost. I, I watched Lost. I haven't finished it, but I watched it when it was airing. Yeah. You know, way back. I don't even remember how old I was. Middle school or something, probably. And then just kind of fell off at a certain point. Um, but I've heard, I've heard the same thing that you said, that the ending is... I've, I've actually heard... I don't think I've ever heard somebody say it's not good. Which is interesting. interesting that it's so divisive. I've only heard people say that Lost is amazing, that the ending mm-hmm. is amazing, and that so interesting. I've been wanting to revisit it because I don't remember why I it just got there was too much fluff at one point and then I kind of lost interest. But I'd like to revisit it at some point because I remember a lot of scenes from it from when I was little, how crazy it got so. Yeah
1: you know cool the, the great thing about the great thing about lost yeah sorry I, the great thing about lost for me is there's something for everyone in that show like there's if you like drama if you like romance if you like sci-fi if you like mystery if you like you know any of those things there's something for everyone and I think there's a character that at least someone can relate to at least one of the characters and I think sure. that helps people feel invested in the show when you can feel like you would you know, relate to the experiences or the emotions of a certain character. And I think Lost sure. is one of the only shows, really, that I've seen that has something for everyone. Sure.
2: Cool. Yeah, Lost was kind of... Uh, uh, the only other show that made me feel the way that Lost did, and then I stopped watching it, was The Walking Dead. So on The uh, uh, Walking yeah. Dead, I, like, I thought it was awesome and amazing, and then it got to a point where I was like, this is still pretty good, but I'm starting to lose interest, and then they just yep. completely... I, I haven't watched it in a long time now. And I, I when, think it's When did you, done,
1: when did you but... stop? I'm curious because I had the same feeling watching that show. Exact same arc.
2: Um,
1: let's see, without spoiling. I don't know
2: what season it would have been. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the probably the same place that a lot of people stopped watching. Is that enough? Yeah, Where they, yeah, probably. the new guy with the baseball club bat yes. came yes. in.
1: That's I watched exactly the I first
2: watching too. episode of that season. Yep, and then I only watched it because when I finished the previous season, um, I don't, I like didn't get to see the beginning of the next season, and I, I bought, I think, that episode on iTunes actually mm. just so I could watch that episode mm. because I, I had an idea of what was going to happen, mm-hmm. but I wasn't confirmed, and I was like, I have to watch this, and then I watched that episode. And that wasn't – maybe that was, like, the the final, like, twist and turn of the knife for me of why yeah. I stopped watching. But yeah. I don't know. I just – I felt like it, it was one of those things that I feel like is to the point where it, the only reason it's still going is because of money. Like, I feel like it should have ended and had an amazing ending and, you know, something like that. But So – Agreed. Yep. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll revisit Lost at some point, hopefully. And I don't know. Maybe I'll be one of the people that thinks the ending is terrible and I'll be <laughs> – I'll only be that'll be I'll be the only person that thinks that that I've but let's uh let's quickly uh start to kind of close this out I'm interested in knowing what else you like to do and what other things you're interested in and uh, besides filmmaking what uh what else is in the
1: life of Ben yeah I'm a big hockey fan and I uh I actually was just yesterday so my my second career I had two different career paths and and um One of them was going to be something in film. And the other one, I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer for hockey. And I even went to the point where one of my classes, I had to interview like a professional on a field I wanted to do. And I interviewed the Minnesota Wilds play-by-play announcer at the time, who was Dan Terhar. And was one of the kindest people I've ever met. Very gracious. Him and I sat and watched a practice together while I interviewed him. And then he took me down into the locker room to meet some of the players. It was the coolest thing. Um... And it was a really sweet interview and I really appreciated the time with him. And, um, and so that was going to be my other career if if film didn't work out. And so actually just yesterday for the first time, I did play by play announcing for this like prospect hockey tournament that was in Blaine and, um, and had a blast. Like I had so much fun. And (laughs) it was these live broadcasts. My cat's about to join us here. It was these live (laughs) broadcasts, um, on a, on a website called hockey TV for this prospects tournament. And, um, and it was just me doing play by play. Um, but I had so much fun and I loved every second of it. And you get to talk to fans and players and, 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 uh, and parents who are just so excited about the sport and just love watching the sport. And they came from all over the ter- over the U S like, I talked to a couple of parents who are from Arizona and a couple are from Colorado and, and uh, Seattle, and they just all have the same love for hockey. And it's just so fun. And, um, And so I just love watching it. I love playing it. I love now. I love doing play by play for it. And so it's just, uh, it's always been a passion of mine since like, gosh, I was a fan of the wild in 2003 and that's kind of when I started being a fan of hockey. So many, many years of my life and still an avid consumer of everything I can get with that sport uh, for sure. And that and, and cars, I'm a big car guy too. I would call myself a car enthusiast. Um, uh, I'm really into. I want to get into. To I'm buying a car in a couple of years uh, that I can take to like autocrossing and tracks and and do racing with. And uh, and there comes the cat right in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know I think that's just so interesting. And I love modding and I love doing stuff to your car. And, and I think that stuff's really fun too. And I don't know. I consider myself a car enthusiast as well. And and it's something that it was kind of a later passion of mine. Uh, in the last couple of years but I'm hoping to kind of take it a little further and 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 just have some fun with with the car that i drive every day and yeah do you have a dream car uh yeah 67 mustang fastback is my dream car um it's gonna have to come to a point where i'm gonna be like a two-car owner just because a mustang is not a practical car for a filmmaker sure <laughs> um so i'm gonna have to have a car that can do double dude you know i'm gonna have to have two cars that can you know one that's a practical car for like hauling gear and stuff like that and one that's just like a weekend driver for you know just sure. going on cruises and stuff and and yep. being something like that so it's going to come to a point eventually where i'm going to have to have two cars yeah um but uh in the meantime i'm trying to find what's like the best of both worlds you know like what's a car that i can have fun with but also that's like still practical for like hauling a lot of stuff and getting good fuel economy. And so I think i found the one that I want, but it's uh still a couple years out, you know?
2: Sure. So eventually at some point when people see Ben out driving, if it's on the weekday, you'll be driving yeah. some sort of minivan carrying a bunch of film <laughs> stuff. And then on the weekend, you'll be cruising in your Mustang. Yeah. just depends on- <laughs> I
1: don't think I could ever do a minivan. It'd probably still be like a, like a hatchback or something, you know? Yeah. Something still with a little bit of fun, but right, yeah, I don't think I could go full mom van. I don't know if I can do that, <laughs> but it, it carries a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah, you,
2: you could pack in so much things into that. So, what, what, uh, what, well, I guess for hockey, yeah, it seems like for a very long time you've been very into hockey and you kind of yeah. do everything that you can with hockey and whatever aspect it is. But what got you into hockey? What, what was the start of that love?
1: I have no idea.
2: I just started watching it. I think sure, just a sport (laughs) that you
1: got into. Played a little bit when I was younger. It was really expensive, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really can't really trace when I started watching it. The Wild made a playoff run. Like their big playoff run was in two thousand three, when they went all the way to the conference finals against the Ducks. You know, I actually think I started. You know, now that I think of it, I think I started becoming a hawk, a Wild fan because I was a Ducks fan first because I loved the Mighty Ducks. Yep. Yep.
2: Right. I think everybody,
1: I love, you know, the Ducks, they're the, that's the hockey
2: team that you follow, even if you don't like hockey.
1: Yeah. And so I think I became a fan of the Mighty Ducks as a movie and I didn't realize they were actually a real hockey team. (laughs) Sure. Yep. And then I started following the real hockey team and then the Ducks played the wild in that conference finals in 2003 and I think that's when I started to become a Wild fan was when I saw them play the Wild. And I was like, oh, right. We have our hometown team here. Why am I not a fan of them? Sure. And so I've been a fan of the Wild since then. I and mean, I still love the Ducks, but they're not the Mighty Ducks anymore. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it been, that must have been it. Yeah. That's
2: funny. I used to, I had, like, an NHL game for PS2. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah.
1: like,
2: you know, NHL 2008 or whatever year it was. And yeah. I always picked the Ducks to play just yeah. because that's the only... And then I fell in love with the Rangers for some reason, because nice. I yeah. I think because I had a random New York Rangers jersey hanging oh, cool. in my closet. Nice. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. And I didn't really see people wearing hockey jerseys. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to start wearing this because it's, you yeah. know, had these cool like elbow pads and yeah that sort of thing. So then I started being them. And then uh, eventually my dad took me to a wild game. And I'm not, nice. uh, I'm not huge into hockey, but... It was fun when we went to. I mean,
1: the hockey oh, yeah. game,
2: super fun. Yeah, but they're a blast. Yeah. So, uh, I had one more question, and I completely blanked on it. So.
1: Oh,
2: uh... oh do you play hockey? Right? Do you recreationally or? Any... Yeah, I play.
1: Rec- I play recreationally for sure. Yeah, and with friends, winter- or. Yeah, and then in the winter time too. I, at some point this year, I was going to get back. It was going to be this year, and then COVID happens. Um, I was going to get back into doing like a, like a seasonal league. And so mm-hmm. you can just sign up and, and go to some seasonal games every year and, or every season and have like a, you know, you pay for, you know, 20 games or 10 games or whatever it is. And so I was going to do that this year, uh, and then COVID happened and now, you know, it's, I don't know if those things are still going or not, but, um, sure. Maybe, maybe next year, Yeah, cat butt on the camera there, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe next. are these video or audio only it'll be audio <laughs> oh, okay cool yeah that's all <laughs> and then uh yeah so i think uh i don't know if they'll happen again this year those seasonal leagues but uh maybe next year maybe when uh things are feeling a little better we got a vaccine or something we'll uh start seeing some of that kind of stuff again but i wanted to get back into it you know just as a way to kind of keep staying in shape and all that you know
0: right
2: yeah do you do uh is there fighting in your hockey leagues? I'm sure people ask you that all the time. How physical is that? Like <laughs> the place where you're checking and all of that and all the gear, usually,
1: not quite. Usually, that? You know, usually not in those leagues. It depends on how competitive you want to get. Um, so some of the competitive leagues are checking leagues, but I don't think I, I don't think my career is worth uh, jeopardizing, getting smashed into the boards and getting <laughs> a concussion.
0: Um, so I think I'll
1: stick to, I think I'll stick to light contact leagues. Um, okay. And, uh, but I mean, you still wear full pads, so you're protected and stuff, but, oh, Okay. you know, and depending on how, how you get hit, it really doesn't actually hurt that bad. Sure. Um, you know, I've taken full on body checks from guys who are like a foot taller than me and, you know, depending on how you fall and where they make contact, it doesn't hurt that bad. Um, but that depends, you know? <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Most of them are open ice hits and open ice hits are actually, they feel better for me. It's like the ones where you get smashed into the boards where I feel like that's, you know, yeah. you didn't hit twice almost in a way. Right. I was <laughs> smashed in some way.
2: Yeah. That sounds painful. So you're pretty good at skating then?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I think uh, I can do all the things that you're supposed to be able to do when you play hockey, you know, forwards, backwards, you know um crossovers all that kind of stuff so
2: so what uh uh, my last question about hockey is i've never been it's not about hockey i guess more stuff skating but i can skate like a you know like a normal minnesotan skater i guess i can go forward (laughs) comfortably and i can kind of go backward and i know how to you know not fall um but something i've never been able to do is that thing where you go fast and then you stop, Stop. you know, you turn sideways and you shoot the ice shards up. How do you, okay, is there a way you can explain to me, it's probably easier to show, but explain to me how, because you know, when you try to do it, oh, there's an orange cat now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got the whole family of cats.
2: (laughs) So when you, uh, when you try to, when I tried to do it, maybe I'm just not going fast enough or the angle isn't right, but it more is like, you turn and then, fall you know there's not there's no like skidding emotions
1: it's, it's hard to exp- yeah i don't know if i'm qualified as a teacher to explain it um it's hard to explain i mean a lot of what how i learned how to do it was just confidence in doing it because okay. you have to really be like confident to like do that you know like when you're starting out and you don't know how to do it and um I don't know. I'd have a hard time explaining it because I just do it. But, <laughs> you know, it's like a muscle memory. I don't know. Sure. How do you, do, how do you explain how to hock? You could probably watch a YouTube video and some coach would probably explain it really well. But I don't, I don't know. You just push the ice?
2: <laughs> do you have to go yeah, fast?
1: You, you do it while you're slow? You don't, you don't have to go fast. No. I mean, you can do it at any speed. It doesn't have to be fast. I mean, it has to be fast if you want to kick up a bunch of ice. But, sure. you know, it's, uh, you can do it at any speed. I don't know. I don't know how you explain it. I just turn and it happens. You
0: know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't
1: All
2: know. right. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to practice it and be confident and fall, I guess, yeah. if I need to. But OK, yeah. I'm going to uh, we'll close the, the interview out. We always close it out with a a handful of just random, goofy Love questions, it. and Love they're it. rapid fire. So I'm just going to shoot it Sick. at you. Yeah. And don't, you know, think the least amount possible. I just want you to. <laughs> answer the first answer that comes to your head with yeah. no explanation and then yep. i'm just yep. going to jump straight to the next one so Got if it, you're ready yeah. here comes the first question
1: so yeah.
2: ben what would your name be if you were a dinosaur
1: jesus i don't know i'd, I'd be like a raptor kind of name you know blue probably because that's my favorite velociraptor from dress Park. all right
2: <laughs> thinking of uh Things that you own, it doesn't necessarily have to be materialistic, but what is the second to most prized possession that you have? Say that again? You kind of cut out. What is the second most prized possession that you have? A lightsaber. Oh. What is the worst job that you
1: can imagine having? Um, shoveling crap in how long however long ago people shoveled crap. <laughs> okay. What's your second favorite animal?
2: Uh lizards. What is the least practical superpower that you would want to have? Um
1: Jesus, what kind of question is that least practical? <laughs> um uh it would suck to like just instantly melt into a puddle of water that would suck but you would want to have that no something that you want to have have. that you'd want to have (laughs) oh okay um gosh they're in a world of superpowers (laughs) you know mr fantastics is pretty cool but i don't know how practical mr fantastic is if you don't know who mr fantastic is he can like stretch and bend and he's super elastic I don't know how practical it is, but that could be cool. All right, that works. That and don't one. practical at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, it's practical for, like, reaching things. Sure, okay. <laughs> but you're not going to be able to... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask. All right, the final question is, if you had to choose a super terrifying and dangerous animal to fight, which one would you choose? Um,
1: kangaroo. Who? Oh, that sounds awful. fighting dude, a kangaroo, can, can, dude. Kangaroos can like, <laughs> dude, if they if they drop kick you, man, you're done. <laughs> or <laughs> punch it. you. I feel like they or could just you. fight big time. Yeah, I would be terrified of going up against a kangaroo, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good answer.
2: Yeah, I would not want to fight a kangaroo anyway. Well, no. do you have any uh any closing
1: thoughts? No, man. This was good. This is fun. Appreciate it.
2: Perfect. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining us and taking a, an hour out of your day to to tell us a little about you and your work and talk about hockey and a little bit about cars and fighting kangaroos so <laughs> of course i appreciate Thank it you. and uh maybe sometime in the future we'll we'll be able to connect again on the podcast but uh, until then uh good luck with shooting stuff and and uh i'm excited to see more of your work i love seeing anything you post on social media yeah appreciate it all right thanks ben